soon as you come in, you smell the smoke, you see the lights, the s'mores, you know that this is going to be an experience. What would you do with an army of raving fans? How would that transform your business? Creating a five-star customer experience is the most important thing that you can do in your business. It will help you stand out, rise to the top, and save you thousands of dollars in marketing. I am obsessed with finding and creating five-star customer experiences. In fact, it's my superpower. On this journey together, you'll hear interviews with business owners at the top of their industries, sharing actionable strategies and tips to improve your customer experience and create your own army of raving fans. I'm your guide, Christine Huey. Welcome to the Five Star Experience Show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Experience Show. I'm Christine Huey, and I am so glad that you're here. Today, we have a really fun episode. In fact, this is the first of two very special Christmas episodes that I have for you this December. So this week, I'm talking to Derek Johnson, who is the owner of JVI Secret Gardens here in Nashville, Tennessee. JVI Secret Gardens curate an incredible Christmas tree experience every year. In fact, Jack and I, we've been getting our Christmas tree from them for several years, and it's become this wonderful and beautiful tradition that we do, and it's just incredible. So I'm so excited for you to hear all about their experience. And then next week, be sure to tune in on Wednesday, December 23rd. I have two special episodes for you. I am interviewing Santa. It's going to be so much fun. So I got introduced to a gentleman named Jim Daly, who is Santa in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He actually was the Santa for the Philadelphia Flyers. And we did a regular five-star experience interview. And then we recorded a second episode that's eight to 12 minutes And it's specifically for the kids. So if you have small children, be sure to tune in to Santa next week. It is so much fun. So it's just a cute little message from Santa to the kids in 2020. Without further ado, let's hop into today's episode. So here is Derek Johnson, owner of JVI Secret Gardens. He has owned this business for 24 years and he has got an amazing story to tell. So here we go. Hi, Derek. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Well, it is my pleasure. I'll be honest, I've wanted to interview you for the last year, even long before this podcast started. So last year, we bought our Christmas tree from you, and the experience was so amazing that I shared it with my mastermind group and the gentleman, Vincent Puglisi, who leads my mastermind. He asked, oh, can you write that down or record a little bit about the experience? Because I want to share it with people. So I created this little five or six minute recording, walking through the experience, and almost all of the people that listened to it commented and said, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. So Derek, you have been a very highly requested guest on this podcast. So welcome. I am so glad that you're here. No, thank you. That, that's very kind and no pressure. No pressure, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, wow, okay. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to be here. Well, we are so happy to have you. All right, so let me set the stage for you a little bit. This is Derek from JVI Secret Gardens, which is a landscaping company. They build ponds and gorgeous waterfalls. They also have a retail nursery. And then the reason why he's here today is because they have this incredible Christmas tree experience. So Derek, do you mind walking through what this Christmas experience is and how you got the idea for it? 
Absolutely. No, it's, it, I mean, how much time do we have? Do we have like 12 hours to go through this? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we have as much time as you want. Because I actually, Aaron and I, it's my wife. She, I mean, Aaron really, she runs the garden center side. I'm kind of just, the, I just basically, I clear spaces, make messes, and she cleans them up and makes them look pretty. I mean, that's, that's really how this whole thing works. Um, so it, we go back roughly 12 years. And it's, Aaron was working for me at the garden center at this time. Actually, she is now my wife. She was not my wife at this, this point. And she's from Cleveland, Ohio. So as she started in, let's see, she started with me in the spring or summer. The previous proprietor had Christmas trees, but it was not amazing. There was not an experience there. And I actually purchased a Christmas tree from them. Long story to actually ended up how I did an asset purchase of this garden center. So I digress. Through that, he did Christmas trees and I wanted to do them. And I mentioned it to Aaron. Didn't know a lot about her past because it was basically she was going to run the garden center. Didn't know she knew about Christmas trees. She said, man, I literally worked at a wholesale uh, Christmas tree farm in Cleveland, Ohio. She knows everything about Christmas trees. And I'm like, no way. So we started going through this. She knew who to order them from. She had a mentor, like all this amazing stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm just going to wing it. And she has all this stuff. So that's how we started it. So we ordered the trees. And what we found, and there's going to be so many details, and it's it, like there's so much stuff in my head about this. But if we're literally going to focus on the experience and how experience and how it started, is we noticed families coming in, and we were basically just here's our trees. You know, you picked it, you purchased it, and here you go. We'll put it on top of your car. Well, what we noticed is they were dressed up, and they were kind of going around and noticed a few people taking pictures of themselves with the trees. And it was just like, you come in, you pick the tree and it was in and out like minutes. And we started talking because we have a cool bonfire, right? We weren't very busy at that time. Aaron and I would just hang out by the bonfire and brainstorm ideas. And we were saying, we've got to slow this down. People are coming in here and we're getting them in and out too fast. We're not a big box store. We're not trying to just get in and out. Let's slow it down and turn it into an experience. So that was actually the first time we went, how do we do this? That's amazing. Do you mind walking through what the experience is from the time they walk into your garden center to the time they leave? And for COVID's sake, I know you guys had to change some things. So let's go pre-COVID. Sure. What was it like in 2019, for example? Gotcha. So it's obviously progressed tremendously. So when you come into the garden center, well, first of all, you see our garden center because we put a bunch of Christmas lights out front. You know, we make it that, hey, here we are. So you pull into the parking lot and then you first thing you're going to smell is the bonfire, that amazing wood smell. The smoke's coming off the fire. It's coming out of the chimney inside the garden center. So it's really this majestic space, especially in the evening while the lights are going. And then you come in, we greet you. And then we basically say, can I get you some s'mores? Would you like some hot chocolate while you walk around? Most everyone says yes. So we scurry inside, take your time, look around the trees, and we name all of our trees. So in every single tag, the tree has a name. So we say, let's get your s'mores. Let's get your hot chocolate. Look at all the trees. Pick out ones you like. They're all named. Take your time. Let us know when we can help you. So the idea is to slow everything down, make it an experience, enjoy the bonfire, enjoy your s'mores, enjoy your cocoa. The Christmas music is playing. We have, you know, um, Bluetooth speakers around the lot so that you can enjoy that. And we just want you to slow down. And once you pick your tree, we come to you and say, would you like to take a picture with your tree? Most people are taken back. Now that it's a bit of a tradition, most people know, and it's actually, they're kind of funny. They're like ready for it. But we have this really cool rustic cabin. And now obviously pre-COVID, we had, um, what do we call it? It's like a photo booth in a way where you could put funny glasses on, a Santa hat, a Santa beard, like 
just props. And you put those props on and then we take a picture of you with your tree and then we post it on our Facebook page where they can go there and find it, like it, share it with their friends. A lot of people use it for their Christmas card. So once you've done that, you've got your picture, you picked out your tree. Now we take you over to the cutting area. We put your tree down and we make a fresh cut. Main reason you need to make a fresh cut is to keep the sap. You want to basically cut that sap layer off so the tree will take up water once you put it in the stand. But what we, through that experience too, I don't even know how it happened. We cut it off and one of us said, we need to make this into an ornament. So we cut that little disc off the bottom. We put some twine through it and then we hand it to the person. And that is turned into like a huge tradition. People will literally take a hot iron and put the date on it. They'll take a Sharpie and write an experience on it, put the tree's name on it. So now we've cut your tree. We've given your ornament. We take you inside, check you out, take everything, you know, uh, there's keeps it green. There's all kinds of, you know, the tree skirts because we have an indoor garden center as well. So we actually have some Christmas gifts. So we take you in there for that experience. And then once that's done, we load your tree. We take you outside. Maybe you're going to have a s'more again. Maybe you're going to have a hot chocolate, which has been interesting, by the way. We can talk about that in a minute. So once that happens, we take you out, put it through the tree beller, bell your tree for you. Now we take it to your car, put it inside your car, put it on top of your car. Several funny stories about putting trees on cars. But once that's done, you're tied off. And then, you know, it's well wishes and Merry Christmas. So that's really the whole experience from beginning to end. But the whole idea was to slow everything down. So that people could have an experience. And now they spend, I'd say the average customer is probably 30 minutes, sometimes even an hour there. And there's so many emotional things like the trees. When we name the trees, it was just a great idea and we're having fun with it. So we allow all of our team to name. You just pick the names. And well, depending on what series is on Netflix, you know, it might be Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, It might be any series. So you name all these trees, different ones. People come in, they identify with it one particular time. It's, it's, it's sometimes I even get emotional thinking about this is uh, our grandbabies, our kids have a Mimi. My mom, they call her Mimi. Well, one of the trees, we named it Mimi. So that's kind of fun. You know, it's like, who's going to pick Mimi? Who's going to pick? So this family came in and they're literally, you could tell they're, they're basically kind of in a little bit of an embrace and you can see what's going on. And I can't remember if I walked over there or Aaron walked over there. So many things have happened. And, but anyway, they just lost their Mimi. And they chose that tree based on that. And like, that's that amazing experience. Like we didn't, uh, didn't know that that was going to be a thing. So now people are really taking this personal, but I mean, they took that tree home specifically because they lost their meaning. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. And I'm like wiping my eyeballs right now because <laughs> no, they're leaking. It's, 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 yeah, no. It's just so sweet. And I have to say that the naming of the trees is probably my favorite part as well. So I have a funny story, which you probably haven't heard. And that was last year when we were there. There was this adorable family with a little girl that was probably five or six. And when they picked out their tree, she was so excited. And she just squealed with joy at the top of her lungs. And she says, we're bringing home Betty White. (laughs) And it was the cutest thing ever. And just my husband and I, we looked at each other and smiled and we looked over across the uh, across the experience. And there was another couple that was just grinning ear to ear. And I think that's so special. It's like you've brought multiple families together that are having this experience separately, but together, but we kind of get to overhear these cool moments. And to set the stage, I mean, you've done this in the middle of Nashville. Your nursery is 10 minutes from downtown. And I don't know of any other Christmas tree experience. So the fact that you've brought this to a city in the South is just phenomenal. 
All right. So I have to ask, I know that you mentioned this briefly, but I want to hear some of the funny stories. So what are some of the great funny stories from loading trees or from the experience in general? Sure. One, well, since we're mentioning the naming of trees and uh, you may have to bleep this out, but there was, there was three girls coming in, they're walking through, they're looking at the trees. And one of them looks over the name of the tree and goes, Karen, what a beep. (laughs) And just kept on walking. (laughs) It was like, okay, never thought that would happen. (laughs) So people are identifying in so many different ways with these trees. And so that's, that's one that always stands out to me and cracks me up. Um, Another time is we're loading the tree. So I'm, I'm not on, uh, actually this year, I have not even been to the Christmas tree lot personally because we have such an amazing team that as the owner, I've actually been able to step away. And my goal is to not work on the lot at all this year, which is very hard. Now that doesn't mean that I don't go in and enjoy it, but I'm truly trying to remove myself from that aspect. And and because my team has really taken over and uh, candidly, I usually just mess things up when I'm there anyway. I mean, it's Aaron always laughs. He's like, you just want to hang out with the people and talk. You're like the mayor over there. Just, you know, (laughs) would you work for one time? So (laughs) with that being said, I used to load all of the trees. I mean, that was because, I mean, you think this is, we started this out from nothing. And so it was, I mean, Aaron and I would work, I mean, literally. So we have a normal business. She has a garden center at the construction side, right? You work all season long. And typically in our seasonal business, we slow down this time of year, but not since we started doing Christmas trees. It almost ramps up because you got to get all these trees in. You got to unload them. You got to put them out on the lot. And it's just, so here we are trying to slow down. And it was just Aaron and myself working literally from, I mean, 12 hour days at the garden center with these trees, because now we sell at nighttime, right? So we don't get to go home at say five or six o'clock. So we were the only ones there. I was the one loading trees. She's cutting trees. I mean, we're going through it. And one particular time, I was always wanting this to happen. Someone showed up in that station wagon, that that classic Griswold station wagon. And I was so excited. It was almost like a replica. And I was like, dude, I can't even, I can't wait to tie this on the top. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to put it in the back. And I was like, no, no, we can't put it in the back. Like we have to put it on top. And then we had fun with it. He allowed me to tie it on top, but truly like a Christmas vacation. That's amazing. The did, other you one, did you get a picture? No, no, no. I should have. Like, that's so crazy. I mean, it's, I probably at that point didn't even have an iPhone. I mean, that was, I would say, um, what was is a Blackberry. So, I mean, it, it took pictures, but um, that was fun. And then another time a guy came in in a brand new Porsche, Porsche Cayenne. I'm sorry, Porsche Carrera. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't, you know, went through the whole experience of taking him outside. And I was like, we don't deliver trees because we're kind of, you know, we don't have much staff. And he's like, oh, no, it's cool. We'll just tie it on top. And I'm like, no, hang on. Like, you want me to tie this on the top of your car? He's like, yeah, it's cool. I was like, well, so you got a quilt or blanket or something. He's like, no, it's good. It's like, dude, this is going to scratch the hell out of the top of your car. It's like, it's good. Don't worry about it. So I literally tied a Christmas tree on top of a Porsche Carrera. <laughs> wow. That so. is interesting. Oh my gosh. Well, I love these stories. And I have to ask, of all the people that you see, do you have any idea what percentage of families come back year after year? Do you tend to see the same people coming back? Yeah, it's that's that's something I've missed this year as well is the family and children, right? And they come in. So we've been doing this about 12 years. It's probably 11. So I can't – it all runs together. But we think about that. You see the babies come in the first Christmas with the baby, and then they come in and they're 10 years old, 11 years old. It's amazing. And, and well – with the photo booth that we do, we post those on Facebook and I get to enjoy that regularly, open it up and see. And I see those families, a particular family. 
um, the Stones. I've known them forever. They're actually neighbors of ours. And I saw the picture last night and they had babies when, when I had my, my girls, 21 year old, and 18 year old girls. And I get, I literally get to see them grow up coming and experience our Christmas, you know, uh, tradition. And the, uh, there's several families like, it, yes, it's, it's such a tradition. So many families come in and it's just like old home week a lot of times, which is interesting with the mask with the COVID because mm-hmm. you don't recognize mm-hmm. some of them, which is so interesting. And some you do, that's a, but yes, no, it's a, it's a serious tradition. People take it. Uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a very big deal. And it's just amazing. I can't believe how much joy you bring to families in Nashville around the holidays. So how many trees do you order and sell each year? So this year, um, it was 650. That's amazing. And Yes. And we actually had to order some extras. I believe we got in 610. So Aaron ordered approximately 40 more, maybe, maybe a handful more because um, we're selling out so fast. And so, but we started with 95. So over the years, we would increase by about 50, you know, and then we'd really push it a little bit. Um, and then we sell out early every single time. Cause ideally, you know, these are cut trees. So you don't want to be left with a bunch. You can't do anything with them. So mm-hmm. we want to order the right amount because that's the business side, right? You want to get the numbers together. You want to make sure that you understand exactly how it's going on um, so that you, you run out of trees. And we're, we're going to sell out again this year. I mean, we can look at our inventory and look what's, well, we take all the trees. They look like they're floating on the lot. And so that's, so here's a funny story. So you've been there, you, you know, the experience, we put them on tea stakes. So when they're there, you really can't tell that they're, you know, on a tea stake. We've had several, and it always happens. Somebody every year, they'll come in, they'll look around and they go, wow, how long you guys been growing these trees? <laughs> and then I'm, I always think it's like, well, maybe they're asking the question, like, how long did it take from when they were put in the ground to where they're at now? And I've done that several times. Oh, these, you know, it's about, uh, these, it's about a foot a year. So this, you know, six, seven foot tree, once they start, it's probably close to nine, 10 years old. And they go, wow, you've, so you've been growing these here. So what do you guys do when you cut all these trees down? <laughs> it's just like, wait, you think we just literally planted all these trees and this is just, we've been waiting 12 years for them to grow. And then we're going to sell at, at that point, probably, you know, hundred, 150 trees, <laughs> not a good business model. So a lot of times people think they're literally growing in the ground and they're just floating there on tea sticks. Yeah, well, they are amazing, and that's what I like the most. Actually, I can't say that I like the most because the whole experience is amazing, and that's just true. But I grew up in Michigan, and I grew up going to a Christmas tree farm every year and cutting down our own tree, and it was such a big deal. And when you go to these Christmas tree farms up north, first of all, they're expansive. They're not just a small lot in downtown Nashville. They typically have to take you over to the area where they're cutting trees for the year because they have all sorts of trees and different life stages. So, you know, these years, this year's trees are going to be in one area and then an acre over might be trees that are either a year younger or a year older. And that's what's really neat is when you walk onto the lot of JVI Secret Gardens, it looks like the trees are just growing out of the ground versus if you go to, say, Home Depot or another Christmas tree lot, a lot of times the trees are just leaning against things or they're in these cheap little stands. And it's just not the same experience as what you guys have with them attached to tea sticks. They really look like they're growing out of the ground. Well, thank you for saying that. It's it, it, Hence the experience. We, we try to almost treat it like Disneyland. Like we have a reserve because all the we can't possibly put 650 trees up on the lot at once. So kind of behind the scenes, if you will, we have bins set up so that we can take the trees and properly set them up. We wash all the trees down. We keep them wet to make sure that, you know, they're safe and, and fresh, as fresh as, well, 
not only that, we when we order the trees, they're cut within days of delivery. So our trees last an extremely long time because they're as fresh as you possibly can get them. But when they're set up, we really are trying to create that majestical, you know, magic experience. But behind the scenes, yes, we have them staged. They're ready. But we, you know, they're already ready to be named. You know, you can see some of the trees over and go, well, that one looks like Bubba because he just looks like Bubba. And, you know, they get their name that way. So our company mantra is basically we want to cultivate happiness in people's spaces. That's that's our culture. That is that is what we we base everything on. So that's part of the experience. We want people to come in and have, you know, maybe they're just not having a great year. Something's just not working out or whatever. When you come into this space, we want you to just truly, and I have to think about it sometimes, when people come in, they probably see it so much more grandiose than I do or a team does because we're there constantly working. So I, I have to remember sometimes that what they see is is way bigger than actually what we're providing, which we it's, it's very important that we keep that, you know, aspect going. I think that's such a great point because so this podcast is for business owners and I think all of us as business owners, we get so caught up in the details behind the scenes, right? Like we're building the experience and our job is to manage the details to make sure that the outcome comes off really great. And I think it's also, you know, we kind of get lost in the things that didn't go quote unquote perfectly and all business owners know nothing ever goes perfectly. But as a customer, which we are your customers, when I walk onto the lot of JVI Secret Gardens, all yeah. I see is pure magic. And I think that's the brilliance of what you guys have done is you've created this experience where if we weren't talking right now, I wouldn't know about all the details that go on behind the scenes because I don't see them. It's, well, it's, it's very intentional. And, and especially from the, like the B2B side is we will not hire you unless you have a good attitude. Like it, it's so important to have that. I mean, truly, I mean, you have a beautiful smile. Like, so when, if you were to come in and interview, that's what we're looking for too. We want someone that, that's, that's pleasant and, and is happy because you can, what's the saying? You can, you hire for attitude and you train for aptitude. So it's, if you just mm -hmm. get someone with a good attitude, good personality, you can train all that other stuff if they like it. And it's very important that when you come and you work for a company that you like what we do. We, we, we strive and push I do tremendously, especially on our YouTube page, is to show, let, if you wanted to, to come work with us, you can see our whole experience, Christmas tree and other business experience. You can see our whole team. You can see everything and truly see what our culture is about before you even want to come and apply with us. And when someone comes in to interview, I'll ask, are, what do you know about JVI Secret Gardens? Have you looked at us socially? Have you looked at our Facebook? Have you looked at our Instagram? Have you looked at our YouTube? Because make sure that we're a good fit for you. You know, don't let just the, the facade, the plants and experience, you know, fool you. You're going to be working with people probably more than you spend with your family. So make sure that we're, you know, desirable for you. So mm -hmm. that's that's helped tremendously in the hiring aspect is for people to truly see what we're about. I mean, you can't hide it. I mean, you can't hide that stuff behind the scenes. You know, once you, you know, it is once you get in there and it's, it's everybody's stressed and everything's going on. What happens, you know, people can lose it a little bit. So we want people that just, you know, are happy in general. Yeah, you know, I can always feel that when I go onto your lot at JVI. In fact, I don't think I've ever walked onto your nursery without being greeted. And your staff is so incredibly helpful, whether it's spring and we're there to buy our plants to plant in the spring or the Christmas experience or your big sale in the fall. Or frankly, I remember a particular day, one very hot July when it was over 100 degrees. Your staff always seems so excited to be there. And I think it's really important to point this out because culture like that, building a culture where your staff is excited to come to work every day, 
that doesn't just happen. It has to be intentionally built and curated. And I think it's a big testament to what you and Aaron have built. You guys have clearly built this culture where you have a staff that treats each other like family that is so excited to be there. So it's amazing. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And that, that comes from a lot of training that Aaron and I've done reaching out business coaching. You know, we've, we've hired people in for experience. We've hired people in to coach our team, coach our staff, coach us to, I mean, so we we don't take that lightly because we love what we do. We're passionate about what we do. We want to cultivate happiness in everyone's space. So in order to do that, we need to get around people that are smarter than us to train us on how to train our people. So through that, yes, it's been very intentional because I mean, gosh, in the early years and every business owner knows this, it's, some point in your business, you're just like, come on, come to work. I just need, just get in the truck, you know, come in the store. I just need, I need your help. It's not a great way to hire because you don't know who that person is. They don't know who you are. And then the work ethic, I mean, we could talk for hours about that, but mm-hmm. no, we, we really, we feel like we have a lot of momentum with that. And it's, well, we have a zero drama policy. Like there is no drama in our company at all. Like it just doesn't happen. So if any little things going on, we stop and just go, what's going on? Like let's, let's, we, we want to make it a safe place as well. Like if there's things going on at home, let's talk about it. If there's things going on at work, let's talk about it. Let's don't push anything off. Let's, let's address it in a very safe manner. So it's not like, you know, no drama, get out of here. It's like, no, come here. What's, what's up? Like, let's, let's do a huddle or something. Something's going on. We're a team or a family. Let's figure this out. So yeah, it's a, what's a family. It's a family. Yeah. That's amazing. And I have this theory and it sounds like you're probably right there with me. And that theory is, is that as a business owner, it is the greatest privilege of my life to have a team of people that want to work to help me support and build my dream every single day. Not only that, but they love our tours just as much as I do. So when I think of my staff, it's like, of course we're family. And I'm so privileged to have them working for me. It's, it's easy to lose sight of that. And that's something that you have to be very intentional and, and think about that because one of the best definitions I ever heard uh, of a leader to be a leader is to create a vision and then to share that vision with others. And if they're in line with that vision, it's very easy to lead. So we try to be very specific on that. It's like, Hey, here's what we do. Like, like it's, it's very obvious. So if this is something you're interested in, come hang out with us, but like truly look at this. And it's, and I tell my girls all the time, because at 21, 18, they're getting into their careers. It's like, search out that company, search out their culture. You know, it's money's one thing, but like, make sure you want to be there. I mean, cause that's really, you're going to spend so much time. And if you really like it, you're going to be good at it. If you're good at it. You're going to like it. And if you're in that, that culture, you're just going to, you're going to thrive. And you're actually probably not going to set an alarm clock. You'll go in early. You'll probably work late, but it's so important to identify the culture of the company before you even go there. I am so glad that you're teaching this to your children because I'm thinking about the way that I was raised and I was never taught that, like not just from my family, who awkwardly I know is listening to this. So uh, sorry, mom <laughs> and dad, but also from school. Like, I think there's so much focus on get that first job and then use the skills from that first job to get the second job. And it just like it's just this waterfall of just, you know, finding more jobs and finding more jobs. Whereas if you actually look at it and say and, and see that it's not just them interviewing me as the employee, it's me interviewing them about their culture to see if it's a big fit. Because if you choose mm-hmm. a company that you love, that has a mission that you believe in, like you said, you are going to work your butt off for them. And I personally believe that you're going to rise through the ranks and you're going to have a much more satisfying career. So I again, I just think it's really lovely that you make sure that those things are taught up front and they're told up front to your future employees. 
and that you're teaching these skills to your children. So it's just really lovely. It, it, isn't that so simple though? Like when you say it, it's, it, it, it's almost profound, but it's simple. It's like, if you mm-hmm. really, really do enjoy it. And I mean, I truly haven't set an alarm clock and I don't know when, like, well, sometimes on vacation, it's like I have to remind <laughs> ourselves, but I don't, I mean, Aaron doesn't either. We just don't need an alarm clock. We just wake up. Now, obviously family first, you know, we, we spend time with family in the morning and then we transition into the work, you know, work world, but we don't, we haven't done that. For, I mean, we used to work. It, it's so, I mean, we would, I mean, sometimes to midnight, like it just, because we had to set up the, that behind the scenes, you know, but we enjoyed it so much in the team. And then just so many different times of emergency situation would happen in the winter or something. We have to run in and put in heaters for plants or something. And it's, when you have that team, it's like, it's a no brainer. They're just like, actually, sometimes they're there before you are, but they really enjoy it. I mean, that's, so yes, everybody should, what's the saying, uh, uh, find the work you love and you'll never work a day in your life, you know, it's, yeah. it, and it's, it's so true. So it, it's it important, is. but you know, it took me a long time to not necessarily to figure it out, but a long time to get to where it's all really makes sense and trying to create something for other generations to, to experience. So experience, it's all experience. You know, Derek, as an experienced junkie, I couldn't agree more. But I want to transition. So I know that you started your business and it didn't have a, re- a retail location for a long time. So when did you purchase your retail location? This this was 90, uh, so 12 years ago. So it was 2008. 2008. Because right. I remember, which business has always done better, right? Yep. <laughs> started a retail business in 2008. Trust me, a lot of this stuff was just based on passion, grit, and work ethic. It wasn't a strategy <laughs> other than I want this space. I love what I do. Let's just keep pushing. So. Gosh, that's amazing. And so I have to ask, since you did purchase your retail location in 2008, like how did it go when the world was going through a recession in 2008 and 2009? Did it go okay? Was it successful? It, I think this is where ignorance is bliss and has really been my superpower in a lot of ways. I just, I, I get tunnel vision on things and I don't accept um, like no for an answer. So I, I didn't know that it was bad. Like mm-hmm. I don't watch the news. I don't watch TV. I'm like, I just don't. So the world was falling apart. What everybody says for me, it wasn't. And at that time too, I was still just, you know, really starting to to hone my craft. And I mean, like most contractors in general businesses at first, you're not making any money. You're just really just running on passion. And it's, mm-hmm. I jokingly say it was cash flow. The cash would flow in and flow right out. <laughs> like it wouldn't, <laughs> and I'd run out of money at the end of the year because we're seasonal. So for three months, you know, it's, I always had to like, how can I save my money? If I saved up enough money by August to make it through the winter, I would be okay. But if I didn't, so there's a lot of scratching. I mean, I've just always hustled. And so business has always gotten better since then. Because when you start at the bottom, it's the only way is up, right? Yep. So that's so I, true. I, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much yeah, no issues. So with a seasonal business, and I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about it. I know a little bit about gardening and I follow a couple flower farmers on Instagram. But one of the things that they talk about is that it's not just having enough money to get through the winter. It's having enough money to also buy your stock in the spring. So sure. is that has that ever been a problem? I know that's kind of a personal question. No, totally fine. I, it's, it's, I don't I have no issues because it's, my story is your story. It's everybody's, it's, it's every entrepreneur's story. I mean, it just, it, I've learned that now. Mm-hmm. Used to, it used to bother me, but no, it's, it, it was completely broke and didn't have any money to buy plant material. So it was just, I can remember like literally having $10,000 to buy spring stock. That's nothing. 
nothing. And yeah. at that point, I didn't have any credit. I mean, it just, it wasn't, I mean, I, I, we, we came from nothing, meager beginnings. It was just truly hustle. I didn't have any credit. I didn't have a family member that loaned me money. I mean, this was all done. I'd sell a job and take a little bit of money out of it. And I would just try to get to the next job as fast as I possibly could, still doing a good job. And sometimes the deposits from jobs was paying for plant material for other jobs. So it was just, it was, it was stressful. So you just made it work. I mean, I remember sharing that with Aaron and okay, I got $10,000 to spend. She's like, what are we going to do with this? Like, it's like, I guess we got to sell whatever we get in really fast and order more stuff. And we didn't have any terms with vendors. And still to this day, we don't have, we may have some, but it's very basic. Like even the vendors we use, we're, we pay cash. Like it's, it goes on. Well, we pay on a credit card, boom, instant payment. And then we pay it off every several days, every few days. We just pay that stuff off, pay it off, pay it off. We just stay ahead mm-hmm. of it. So we've never been behind the eight ball in that because we never, well, we couldn't afford it to do it anyway. So that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Nobody would give me any money. So I had yeah. to figure it out. So now it's completely different. I mean, we do, we, we prepare for that and we have a net profit and we look at that and we, we gauge it and go, okay, we need to buy X amount of material, but now we can buy deals, right? Because we do have a surplus and we can do, you know, early buys and things and we can get a discount. So it's changed so much, but we've been, which is a lot of Aaron doing that stuff. I mean, she really mm-hmm. has a strong business acumen. I mean, she really does. It's, she has a, a very strong business sense and work ethic. So when you put the two together and then she loves working outside as I do, I mean, we really have the perfect mix and has, has driven everything. Cause I would not be, well, we probably would not be having this podcast if it wasn't by meeting Aaron. I would have went into a different, would I still be in this business? hundred percent, but there's no telling what the trajectory would have been. So, mm-hmm. but no, you just scrape and scratch and you just have, cause then there's a sacrifice for your family. It's, it's what in a, another world of mine, we call, uh, just because I have a consulting business that I do too, it's stealing from your family because you're never there because you leave before the, the kids and the family wake up and you get back when probably when they're asleep and you're basically taking a lot of money that you need to be using for your family to feed the business. But it's, it's like, this is the ultimate, we got to, if we do this, if we seed this, you know, this is, we're cultivating this, we seed it, we will get a crop. So there was a lot of that. And now it's, it's, we still look at it. I still, to this day, so funny when fall comes, I get nervous because when the leaves start falling, that means my business is slowing down as far as when I did landscape maintenance, we don't do that anymore. We do installations and water features, but every time that happened, I knew the money was running out and that was, yeah. you know, it's delivering pizzas. I mean, cause I, I was not going to get a job and I'm at my integrity and my character. I would not go work for somebody and lie to them and say, I'm going to be there forever who's going to hire somebody for two months in a seasonal business. It's tough. So it was video stores. It was pizzas. It was, I mean, whatever, whatever had to do. Yeah. That's really interesting. And to be honest, Derek, I'm so glad that you tell this story because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are going to identify with it. I mean, shoot, when I started my business, I had no money, like embarrassingly, no money, no money for advertising, no money for marketing. And the reason why this podcast exists is because I believe that you don't have to have that. And I actually believe that it's my superpower. If I would have started a little local flavor with an investment, I'm actually not sure that we would be as successful as we are today because I had to be very intentional about where I put my time and my energy to maximize as much as I possibly could. So as much as I think it was your superpower and my superpower, I think it can be other people's superpower as well. 
I think of all of the amazing brands that have been bootstrapped, like Sarah Blakely with Spanx, for example. She started with $5,000 of her own money, and it's now a billion-dollar brand, and she never took investments. So make your weaknesses your superpower. It's, it's it, Yes, and it's, it's almost like the immigrant story, right? I mean, that's the, most immigrants in general that have become successful business owners is because of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's because of coming over on the boat and landing here and then having that, that dream, you know, the American dream and just not quitting. I mean, I listened to several podcasts. Gary V is one of them. It's, I don't know if you're yep. familiar with Gary V. I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's constantly talking about them and all the things he had to go through. And it's so true. And it's, and I wouldn't have it any other way because that's, well, for me, it's the, the meaning of life in, in certain aspects is to have a purpose. And if you don't have a purpose, like the winters were so hard for me, even now it gets, now we're busy. I mean, as far as construction, we just, we keep working and, and Aaron will tell you quickly, he needs to work because he, Derek is not good. I was talking about myself with a third party. That was weird. I'm not good. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> why it's so important to have a culture because I don't do well by myself. Now I can, I can, I can work alone and really get focused, but I enjoy being around people. And if I'm not driving towards something, making something creative and making something happen, I'm miserable. I'm no fun yeah. at all. <laughs> so. Gosh, I am the exact same way. And um, for those of people that don't live in Nashville, it's interesting because this the winter is such a tough time for a lot of people because the whole city really slows down. There's so much like music and, and restaurants and bars and uh, tourism slows down. And so there's just a big slowdown around the city. Not only that, but it's cold and it's dark at 415 and uh, all the seasonal things that go with that. It rains for two months out of the year in the winter. Um, and that's really when a lot of people end up needing work and needing to hustle. And there's not work. It's not easy to just pick something up in the winter because there's so many people that are trying to pick up seasonal work yeah. when it's the off season. So I am just so glad that you share that because I think that, again, a lot of business owners are going to understand because there's so many people that work multiple jobs in order to make things work in the beginning. And uh, I can say that, especially in Nashville, there's this culture around hustling. There's this culture around drumming up leads and finding other business and, you know, working whatever you need to in order to make it work. That's just kind of the culture in Nashville. That's the kind of musician t- style culture. So um, it's a nice little yeah. kinship. Yeah, no, it's, it's a kinship, you know, a lot of cut from the same cloth when that mm-hmm. happens. It's, 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 so when you have, and we have actually, we have a musician that came and worked for us because of COVID and he's turned out to be an amazing uh, team member. He's actually running now our maintenance division as far as uh, pond maintenance goes. And, you know, he doesn't know when tours are going to pick back up. He's a traveling musician, did really, really well. You know, he's that, that one fortunate musician that truly, you know, can make a living doing that. And there's nothing going on for him. Things are starting to pick up, but he's probably, you know, we don't know what 21 is going to look like. So yeah. I'm trying to figure out how, could you just stop your music career and just stay with us? <laughs> you know, and I, but I, I would never, I, I do ask that, but I'm not really asking that. So, but we yeah. have, we've had several people apply recently because of the same thing. You know, we were very fortunate. We were considered um, essential uh, almost immediately, which was really bizarre. You know, we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen like most businesses when COVID hit. And we were fortunate really in a lot of aspects, it, nothing changed. It only got better. I mean, so many people wanted to work outside and do stuff because they were quarantining. So we've, I mean, increased our business tremendously because of that. So even Christmas trees, I mean, it's, we, we weren't certain, but we felt that most likely people were going to have, we're going to stay home. They probably aren't going to travel, you know, where they may not have done a Christmas tree. 
So we're definitely seeing lots and lots of new people, as well as our you know traditional families that come back, the tradition they always keep over these years, which sometimes from the business owner, the personal side, we go, man, what if we can't service all of our you know people that have always came to us, all these families? All, what if the new people, it's kind of almost classic Nashville nowadays, right? There's so many people mm-hmm. moving here, like, don't change my Nashville. So, but what do you do? But I, I wanted to say, I remember like, uh, with musicians and seasonal businesses, I used to always in the truck because we just had one truck and the guys in the truck. I always put on the dash. Winter is coming, and that was mm-hmm. basically like, guys, you got to put your money back. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's we're going to ramen. It's like college. Eat your ramen. Eat your macaroni and cheese. You know, hamburger helper. Don't overspend your money because it's. I did several times. I don't even know what I was thinking. It's like I was just so ignorant to winter was coming, and it's just like you know was doing pretty well. You know, just working by myself for a couple of guys, and then business stopped. It was nothing. Whatever I had in my bank account was going to last or not. Yeah. Scary, scary times. Wouldn't change it for nothing. There's a few things I'd change that were not fun, but <laughs> all in all, you know, those self-loathing days, why am I doing this? I chose to do this. Have I lost my mind? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've had plenty of days like that mm-hmm. too. So I actually do a similar thing with my staff. In fact, going back a little over a year ago, last October, 2019, it was by far our busiest month ever uh, because of COVID. We haven't come anywhere near that in the two months we were open in 2020. But we had a crazy month. We hosted, gosh, like 780 guests in one wow. month. And I only had a staff of four. And my employee, my tour guide that was doing the most tours at the time, he was on vacation for half the month. So it was like basically three or four of us hosting all of these people. And I feel kind of bad because... I worked my tour guides a lot and I know that they were tired. I think we did tours 70 something days in a row. It was a lot and they were exhausted and they were like, oh my gosh. And I kept telling them, I'm like, guys, we have four weeks, four weeks of really busy. But if you can hold on with me, this is going to get you through the winter because the money you make in October is going to get you through January. And I think it's so important to talk about this with our team because when we hire them, I feel like, you know, we don't have a formal obligation, but I think it's important to say this is still kind of a seasonal business and I want to make sure that you make it through the winter so that you don't have to find another job because I value you as my employee and I would love for you to work really hard, get that time off. And I want to make sure that you're still with us in the spring when things pick up again. So I'm so glad that you teach your employees. I think it's really important. It, it's so important because you know with they they are helping us with our dream right so we have mm-hmm. to we have to support them and protect them and it, it i get in trouble with hr you know it's i jokingly say that because i ask questions i probably shouldn't and one of them during the hiring process because we have a basically a work um especially on the construction side you work with us for about four or five days before we actually hire you. It's a very, I, I hire very slow and I fire very fast because for years it was the opposite mm-hmm. and it was no yeah. good for either, either party. Cause once those, those ties were severed, they probably went to a place that was much better for them. And then when they left us, it, it helped us too. it allowed another spot for somebody to come in. So basically you work with us and this is all we Vanguard it. I Vanguard everything. You know, it's like, let's talk about what's going to happen first. So it's, I, I jokingly say it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're going to see the end first. And then we're going to actually go through the movie. And what the end looks like is this. I want you to see exactly what we do. And with the end of four or five days, I want a high five or handshake. And I want the team to high five or handshake. You decide if you want to work with us. 
And then we decide if we want to work with you. Let's make sure we're a good fit. So that slow process of hiring has helped tremendously. And within that, when it's time, one of the questions I ask is, which is kind of weird for HR sometimes, is are you financially independent? Are you financially secure? Because at some point, you know, we may be off for six weeks. And I want to know that you can actually afford to work here for you and your family. Because one thing that I see, if you have financial problems in your home, you're going to bring those to work. And it's not mm-hmm. good. I mean, if you have financial problems here, you can take it home. So can you afford to take off? And some people say no. And that's kind of where we stop. And some people say, yeah. And I, I, I bang on that all the time. It's like, are you sure? Are you putting a little bit of money back? Because I want, because here's, here's the win-win. You get to take off. And if you have yeah. a little money put back, you can kind of do what you want. And then come back in the spring and it'll be amazing. So I try to just, I, I want to set clear expectations as much as possible. I don't want anyone coming here and thinking it's something different. We're going to have fun, mm-hmm. but yes, it's reality. It's going to be long hours. It's going to be hot. It's going to be nasty. You're probably going to get hurt. You're going to get bit by something. You're going to get poked by something. And I don't know why in the world you'd even want to do this in 95 degree heat and humidity. But if you do, it's going to be a blast. If you don't like this, don't go find something else. Let's help you go to where you really want to be. Yeah. I had a guy work for us two years ago and we're moving with the water feature side. And he literally quit after one day. And, you know, I kind of do basically a, a uh, an exit interview, you know, what's going on. And he was like, I don't know. I guess I thought the rocks just moved themselves. It's like, oh. it's like what? Like, what yeah. are we Yoda? Like, what are we yeah. floating rocks? Like, we're not Jedis. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, some people just don't, don't, if you grow up in a heart, you know, maybe working on a farm or in the country or just, you know, around just, you know, just manual labor stuff. I mean, it makes sense, but we do have some people that really just don't know what it is. And sometimes mm-hmm. it just sucks. So you better like it. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm so glad that you mentioned setting expectations and really making sure that everybody understands what they're getting into. Because I think from an experience standpoint, setting the expectation, not just from your employees, but also for your but also for your customers is one of the biggest things that contributes to people having a wonderful experience. And from your team standpoint, setting the expectation and making sure that they know what they're signing up for They need to make sure that they like the way that the business is run and what their duties are going to be every day. That's going to be key in making sure that you have very happy employees. It's, it's so important. And I heard the term one time, you ask someone how long they've been in business and they say 10 years and you say, well, have you been repeating the same year 10 times or have you been in business for 10 years? And I think what a lot of businesses do sometimes it's like groundhog day. They just keep repeating that same year over and over and over. And when you really start changing your company and your values and and all that, it's when you really start from year to year, you grow. And a lot of that comes from expectations from the Vanguard. Um, I was, I was unfamiliar with what Vanguarding is. Are you familiar with Van, what Vanguarding is? Actually, no. The only Vanguard that I know of is Vanguard Financial. So if you don't mind, I'd love to hear more about what it is. Well, it's, 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 it's relative. So by definition of Vanguard is like, we're going back old military. You have a Vanguard, you have your front guard, which is your front line that goes out and basically sets the ex, the expectations for the battle. And then you have your middle guard, which kind of cleans up some of that. And then you have your rear guard which is basically the captains, the generals, you know, the, the, the higher ups, if you will. So the, the vanguard is to any situation that's going on is you set the expectations as it happens. So you vanguard the conversation, you vanguard the situation. So we use that regularly. So it, like on a sales call, when I'm doing it with a customer, it's when I first get on the phone, you go through pleasantries because I do most all calls. Like 
in order to hire our services for construction services, we're going to get on the phone. I'm going to ask you several questions. I'm going to look at pictures. I ask you for pictures. We do Zoom calls. And this was actually, I've been doing this for six or seven years before COVID ever happened because I want to vanguard me coming to see you because you, maybe you've never hired a contractor. So if I can get in front of that, ask you lots of questions, it's about you. It's not about me. Ask you lots of questions in the motive to understand what you need. At that point, I can vanguard what's going to happen. Because maybe you've called and we don't even do the service you're asking for. That happens. So I want to hear you out. It takes probably four or five minutes. Why would I even come to your space to waste your time? You have to reschedule your whole life for me to come to you. And we're not even on the same page at all. It could be budget. It could be the, the experience in essence. It could be a lot of different things. So getting ahead of that helps the person. People tell me all the time, thank you so much for letting me know how much that was going to cost or letting me know that you don't do that or letting me know your schedule. That's a big thing. We're booked out. I mean, we're booked out into probably April, May for construction. So pretty important that I tell you that if you're calling for services, you know, as quickly as possible so that you're not, you know, it's, it's mutual mystification. I don't want to mystify you. And then you're thinking we can do it next week. And then we don't. And then you reschedule your world for me to come see you, give you pricing, all that stuff. Only to find out it's six months out. So mm-hmm. the Vanguard carries into all uh, really anything. So, so that you're not blindsiding someone. If you have a, a situation with a team member, or something going on. It's like, hey, I really need to talk about that. What happened the other day? I'd really like to break this down so that we can, at the end of this, come to a conclusion and figure out what best you know steps we should take from here. Something that matters. So now the person can go, oh, I understand. I look at it like a roller coaster. You know, the going up, the click, 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 click. It's the anticipation to go down, right? And the whole time you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And finally you go over the ceiling. It's like, oh my god. So if you can get to that sooner. It allows the other person to settle into what's going to happen, which mm-hmm. carries over into the Christmas tree experience. As soon as you come in, you smell the smoke, you see the lights, the s'mores, you know that this is going to be an experience. So there's no surprises. So that's vanguarding. It's, it's, I think everyone should do it in every aspect because sometimes we go through these long stories. And then you finally get to it at the end and the person was never even focusing on you. If you can bring that to the forefront, they'll settle in and pay attention and actually engage. Vanguard. Okay. I'm loving this term vanguarding and now I'm going to use it all the time because we do this all the time in our business. In fact, I train my tour guides that the most important thing that we do on our tours is we have to set the expectation. We have to let our guests know what they're walking into and why and what to expect moving forward. For example, there are quite a few weekends in Nashville where downtown is bananas. It is so crazy busy. And there's times and weekends where we're going to walk into our amazing restaurant partners and it's going to be standing room only and we are going to stand and eat. And you know, let's be honest, that's not ideal. But what I explained to them is we are so happy that these amazing restaurants still make space for us on these busy weekends when they could very easily turn us away. Instead, they still let us pre-order. They make sure the food's out out on time and they're going to create this amazing experience. So us vanguarding it allows us all to be on the same page. I'm on the same page with my guests. I'm on the same page with my restaurants and everybody knows what's going on. And I think when you set the expectation and you let your guests or customers know why they might not be walking into the most perfect situation, it helps everything run smoother and it helps build that relationship. So when you build this relationship, you're going to be able to keep everybody together in the right place at the right time and for the right reason. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that's 
No, thank you, because you vanguarded the podcast when we started this. You let me know what we were going to go through, you know, some key points, some bullet points, how we're going to do it. I mean, even with the microphone, you went through all that. I'm listening. I'm like, okay, I have a job here. You're, you're telling me what my job needs to be so that I can show up. And that goes back to the definition that I think is the best de- definition of a leader, setting that vision, expectation, vanguard, so everybody's aware. And then, because what you'll find when you do that with your guides is you're allowing autonomy in some instances, mm-hmm. you're allowing some creativity, which I think there's four reasons why someone quits a job. Number four is, is money. Number one is autonomy. If you don't give someone autonomy, they're going to want to go somewhere else. Yeah. If you don't allow them to be creative, they're going to feel stifled. And three is safety and culture. You create that environment. And then four is money. Because why is four money? Well, they signed up for it initially. Like there's, there's no, you know, no secret. You pay them fifteen dollars, yeah. twenty dollars, thirty dollars an hour, whatever it is. They know that. Now it gets into the other side if you're not compensating your team or whatever. But I look at that. It's so important to create the vision, let everybody know, train them well, so that they don't feel like they're thrown to the wolves, and then allow the autonomy. You know, this is how this this needs to get done. You do it how you need to, but this is the end product. And then be creative with it. Have fun with it because when that happens, now you you support, you lead. You know, you, you make sure they're okay. But I, I find that, I mean, it's, I'm such a different business owner than I was when I first started. And I grew, I, I refer to it as old school. You know, you just bark orders and, you know, why are you late? Blah, blah, blah. Get over there. Dig that hole. Do that thing. Nobody likes that. Well, there's a few people like that, but they get other issues, right? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole culture of, yeah, set the expectation, vanguard the situation, get up front, allow them to focus and settle in, allow them to not wonder what's going on, you know, hit them with it right up front. It's, it, it's, it's, and that carries over into family and to friends and, and so many mm-hmm. different things because business is nothing but solving problems. That's all it is. And business is no different than there is no personal in business in my world. It's all the same. You know, it's, it, why would you treat anyone differently personally or, you know, business side? So mm-hmm. I go into, sorry, I go into tangents on different things, but no, it's awesome. I love this. I just think of all the things, how I've gotten to this point and I'm excited. You know, I'm 47, so I'm excited because I'll never retire. It's, it's just, it makes no sense to me. I'll be doing something in this this realm. Will we sell our company? Probably not. Will we create it? And, and that's what we're working on now to make it so that it is sellable. And basically, Aaron and I have to remove ourselves from the company as much as possible because if we're there, we can't sell it, right? I mean, that's right. because we're the company. We remove ourselves. So that's, we're constantly, the, I am, you know, it's Aaron as well, but I, that's my world. I'm always thinking of like, how can we make this better and, and, and still support the team and not go stupid. Cause I like to grow very slowly, but I'm, I'm looking way down the road to, to what it's going to look like at multiple locations. I don't know, you know, will we provide some services that we more services now than we do? I don't know, but that's for me, that's fun. Well, Derek, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. This has just been amazing. So before we wrap up, I always like to end the podcast with one question. And that question is, if you were to talk to a business owner, what one or two tips would you give them about how to create an exceptional customer experience? It's, it's that expectations. It's that letting everyone know I mean, the, the term be on the same page, we use it constantly, right? It's always said, it's really that it's, it's put it on, make sure everybody's on the same page, put it in writing, set those expectations, make it very clear for how you're going to manage the people coming in. 
Mm-hmm. Make it very obvious, make it fun, but really just take time to, you made the, the comment and I love that. It's, it's, you know, working on the business versus working in the business. A lot of times we're as, as young entrepreneurs coming up, we're just constantly working in it. We're not working on it. And, and to take time to work on it, plan it, think it out, network with other people, just make it very clear to what's going to happen. So that experience going to happen, make it about that other person. That's, how our Christmas tree lot does so well. It's really about them. It's not about us. We just created it. They get to come and hang out in it. And, and then they take it home and they share it. And I love the accolades that we get from it and the stories that come because we created that. And that's where I have to remind myself a lot of times. It's like they see it so differently than the owner does a lot of times. So it's really just it, make it really clear, Vanguard, everything you possibly can so that everybody knows how to create that. Like you said that you're always greeted when someone comes in. Trust me, that is trained and role played and constant, constant, constant reminders, reminders, reminders. Never let a guest come in and not be greeted. Don't let them wander around because they're again, they don't know what to do. Make it obvious what what they need to do. That for me is how you create the experience. They know exactly what to do when they arrive. That's incredible. Well, Derek, you have been a phenomenal guest, and I know that this is a very busy time of year for you, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing so much wisdom with my audience and for really sharing how your business has thrived over the last 24 years. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Derek. What did you think of today's episode? What an amazing story, right? Could you imagine getting your Christmas tree from JVI Secret Gardens every year? It just is an amazing tradition. And I wanted to give you a little update. So the day after Derek and I recorded this episode, Jack and I went to go get our Christmas tree from JVI, of course, and they had a different section of the lot that we had never seen before. So over near the back, they had this little section called the Island of Misfit Trees, kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it was just perfect. We went over there and looked at the trees and we found ours. This year's tree's name is Beavis. And he was missing some branches on the backside. It just was a, a little bear. And we looked at him and I thought, you know... He's missing his backside. He's just kind of missing some branches. Isn't that perfect for 2020, right? So I know that's kind of silly, but it just seemed really symbolic for 2020. Also, that side of the tree goes against our back windows, so not a big deal. The rest of the tree is gorgeous, and I thought it was fun to get something that was a little bit more symbolic to the year, right? Uh, so anyway, it just from top to bottom, the Christmas tree experience at JVI Secret Gardens is spectacular. All right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's takeaways. So number one, hire for attitude and train for aptitude. Number two, you have to intentionally build and curate your company culture. Number three, make sure you suck money away for the slow seasons. Number four, vanguard everything. Set the expectation of what your employees will experience if they decide to work with you. Number five, have you been repeating the same year over and over in your business or are you growing and changing year after year? Number six, create the vision, train your employees well, and then give them the autonomy to do the best job that they can. Number seven, be on the same page with your employees, customers, and guests. Be clear about all of the expectations. 
And number eight, make the experience all about your guests. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, I would love for you to do me a quick favor. Go ahead and leave me a rating on Apple that tells Apple and the other podcast providers that you're enjoying the content that I produce, and it makes sure that other people can see me and find me, so I would really appreciate that. I'm really trying to get to 100 reviews by the end of the year. As of today, Tuesday, December 15th, we are at 66, so we're looking for about 30 four more people, maybe you can be one of them. All right. Thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next week and I will be here with Santa. Happy holidays. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, go be exceptional.